We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Welcome home, family. Thank you so much for joining us for our Sunday online broadcast. I'm so glad that you decided to join us. My name is Mutai, and I get to serve as a lead pastor here at Relevant Church. And at Relevant, we want to do one thing. We want to help everybody around us discover that Jesus is relevant. And because Jesus is relevant, we want to learn to passionately follow Jesus, love across boundaries, and that we also want to go out and make a tangible difference in our community, our region, and our world. And hey, if that excites you, we want you to be a part of Team Relevant. No matter where you're watching from, you can be a part of Relevant Church by joining our online campus. Just text the word CONNECT to the number below. And look, if you've got a Facebook account, join our private Facebook regroup. Our private Facebook group. I'm already talking about regroups. Regroups is our small group uh, uh, a community, and we want you to join that as well, too. So go online, join ReFam. That's what I meant to say. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media so you can stay connected to what's happening at Relevant Church. See, we're in the last installment of our series, Detours. And if you've been enjoying it, go ahead and drop a fire emoji in the chat because Pastor Zach preached such an incredible word last week. And if you missed it, this is what I'm going to tell you. Go back and watch it because it is a fire word. But let me tell you, I'm so pumped to be in today's word. I believe that God has a word for you and I. So let's pray. God, be with us. Speak to us. Amen. The first thing we learned in this series is that we all have a purpose. It doesn't matter your background, pedigree, or age. You have been uniquely shaped by God to accomplish the purposes he created you to fulfill. And if you're watching this right now, I want you to know that whether you are seven years old or 70 years old, you have a purpose. Purpose doesn't begin at a certain age and it doesn't die after you've reached a certain age. In fact, One of the lies of the enemy is that you're too young to fulfill a purpose or you're too old to have a purpose that's relevant to your age. See, what we discover is simply this. The enemy will use distractions, discouragement, and distorted thinking to keep you from God's purpose for your life. And that's where many of us and how we're feeling right now. That's where many of us are and how we're feeling right now. My life is too busy to pursue a purpose. Have you said that? Purpose is great in theory, but ultimately life is bound up by waking up and going to work and making a living and trying to do what's good in life. I've tried to pursue a purpose, but I failed. So don't talk to me about purpose. I just want to get up from under these bills or just get up from under this debt. I want to make ends meet. That's my purpose. See, these are the very thoughts that the enemy uses to deter you from the purpose God has ordained for your life. As I shared in the first message of the series, if you've been struggling with finding your purpose, I want to tell you the very first place to start is Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. The first and foremost purpose for your life 
is for you and I to reflect the image of Jesus in our lives, loving like Jesus, giving like Jesus, serving like Jesus, impacting people's lives like Jesus. So let me ask you, as you pay your bills, as you pursue your education, as you try to keep a roof over your head, are you looking like Jesus more and more each day? Because purpose is only found in the identity of the purpose giver. And you know why detours exist? They exist to keep you from the identity God has called out over your life. Now, let me ask you, what happens when it all falls apart? The purpose you're pursuing seems to come to a screeching halt. When the business falls apart, when you lose a job or you fail your interest exams or your boards, when the relationship comes to end, what happens when the other shoe finally drops? See, today for our final installment, we will cover the detour of destruction. Scripture tells us that the enemy of our soul seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's not satisfied at death. He wants to destroy reputation. He wants to destroy legacy. He wants to destroy testimony. In life, we will all face detours, even the detour of feeling destroyed. But here's what I'm here to tell you today. Detours can be deadly, but they cannot kill your destiny. Go ahead and Type some fire emojis in the chats. See, we've been studying this narrative about a political and military leader from the ancient Near East called Samson. Samson was an Israelite judge. His beginning was simply miraculous and filled with hope and purpose. He was the miracle baby to a mom who struggled with infertility. His life was destined for purpose. And we know this because of the message his mother received during a supernatural encounter. She was told that her son would be the next ruler and deliverer of her nation. He would deliver them from enemy stronghold and this all came true. And you can just imagine the pride in his parents who longed for this miracle baby and now their baby was grown and leading the nation. The only problem is this, Samson was human. He dealt with the same issues you and I face. Samson allowed his life to be constantly distracted by shiny things and shiny women. We talked about that in the second message. Samson also had a bad temper and could fly off the handle at a moment's notice, only to leave a devastating wake in his path. We learned that all his anger was nothing more than unmitigated discouragement. He dealt with depression and his depression became incredibly destructive. Then Samson, spiraling into the depths of dysfunction, allowed himself to become trapped in a web of lies. And his distorted thinking attached him to all this type of depravity, eventually ending him up with a woman who betrayed him, resulting in not only the loss of his sight, the loss of his freedom, but also the loss of the very presence of God in his life. How tragic. That's where we catch the story. Samson is in the prison of the very nation he's supposed to be freeing his people from. His eyesight is gone. His God is gone. His purpose is detoured. Have you ever been there where, you've, where your mistakes have caught up to you? Have you been there where your neglect of responsibilities has manifested in, into major misfortune? 
You can't talk your way out of this one. You can't pay your way out of this one. I remember making a mistake so big, a mistake I felt like I could not come back from. This mistake not only affected my life, but my family's life. It affected my parents. It affected so many others. I lost count. This is where Samson is at. The nation's leader is now imprisoned by the enemy he's supposed to rescue his people from. So we read in Judges chapter 16, beginning in verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a sacrifice to Dagon, their God, to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand. The ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson so that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them and they made him stand between the pillars. See, the leaders of the Philistines are gathered in celebration of this momentous victory. The enemy that literally wreaked havoc to their nation was finally in their custody. He not only killed their people, but he also affected their agriculture. They're honoring and praising their God, Dagon, the Philistine God of corn and agriculture and vegetation. Every time they see and hear Samson, and they see his condition, they praise their God. Samson's betrayal of the true and living God gives occasion for this lesser false God to be praised. This is the first lesson we can learn in this message. Sin gives glory to the false gods of our own creation. Every time we act against God's will and best for our lives, we create idols of worship. What idols have you created? Has the social media craze created an idol of personality? Has your relationship established the idol of sex and intimacy? Has your career or desire for social status created an idol of success? For parents, have your children caused you to create an idol of the perfect parent? Jesus asked this question in Mark 8, beginning in verse 36. He says, and what benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I'd encourage you to change the phrase whole world to the things you hold so dear in your life. What's worth giving up your soul for? What false gods are you inadvertently causing the worship of because of how you live your life? We go on in verse 26. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me fill the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there. And there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. After being subjected to shameful acts, embarrassing acts, he asked the young servant leading him by the hand to assist him in his posture. Think about this Samson. This is the guy who carried the gates of the city on his shoulders. Now he needs to be led by someone much weaker, much more docile than he ever was. He's blind, so he has to be led. It's interesting that sin gives us the illusion of power and autonomy. 
I see it all the time. Shoot, I said it myself. I know what I'm doing. I'm grown. Don't judge me. Stay out of my business. No one made you judge or jury in my life. However, here's a very sobering lesson with sin that we can learn from Samson's life and through the lives of so many people who decided to act out of God's perfect will for their lives. Sin will paralyze your ability to act in your own God-given strength. Many of us have found ourselves doing things we would have never thought about doing, going along with things we have never thought we'd do. Some of us even hate the very things we do and can't figure out why we can't stop doing them. I read this years back. The consequence of sin is the debased mind. Do you get that? Sin is the problem. Our actions are the result of sin controlling us. It's sad most of the time I hear people talk about how they shouldn't be judged for making the decision they're doing. I grieve inside because they don't even know that sin is in control because if they were truly in control, truly in their right mind, they would never step out of God's perfect will for their life and put their purpose in jeopardy. I want you to catch the literary setup that's taking place in the story of Samson. There's always the comedic setup to a tragic outcome. Remember the riddle at the wedding, then the resulting loss of life. The casual return to the marriage, then the loss of the marriage and mayhem that it created. The elusive act of trying to run away from where his strength comes from to the loss of freedom, loss of eyesight, and the loss of the Spirit of God. Now the party is just another setup to a new turn of events. There's thousands of people gathered to watch the spectacle of Samson. In verse 28, we catch this. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, well, let me say this real quick. Then Samson called out to God. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. This statement in itself holds so much weight. We don't even know what's about to happen next, but we know that there's a shift coming because when you call out the name of God, everything changes. It goes on. He cries out, oh Lord, God, please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once. Oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Samson uses three different titles for God. He uses Adonai, my Lord. Samson knows who's the ultimate head and leader of his life. He calls out Yahweh, the existing one. This is God's proper name, the name of the one true God. He then uses Elohim, the ruler and judge. He calls out to the only one with rule and authority over his life. He calls out to God to remember him. Remember me who you called to a purpose. Remember the one you put your anointing over. 
Remember the miracle child you allowed my parents to have. Samson appeals to the unchangeable mind of God. Samson's faith is seemingly being restored or maybe it never left. Strengthen me this once. Samson knows where his strength and help comes from and God gives it to him. Listen to this lesson. God never ignores the cries of his people as long as they're aligned with his will. However, we'll soon discover that Samson is still Samsoning. He wants the strength so he can be avenged. It's not about saving Israel. It's not about his vindication, the vindication of God's people. It's about his vindication. He wants to deal one final blow to the Philistines. Then he asks God, let me die with them. Samson, this was your chance to make it right. Samson is showing an even greater sign of hopelessness. There's no reason to live anymore for him. He's faced personal embarrassment, public shame, national disappointment, family disappointment. Samson would rather die than continue living. I've messed up too much. How can God use me with no eyes? And some of us are in that place where we think we need money to be used by God. We need status to be used by God. Some of us think we need to be in a relationship to be used by God. We think we need a platform, a talent, a skill to be used by God. But listen to this. God's purpose is not predicated on platform or prosperity. It's predicated on obedience. God doesn't care what you bring to the table. He's only interested in your obedience to his word. Check this out. It says Samson kills more people at his death than he ever killed in his life. Samson was always supposed to act as a savior for the people of Israel. He deals one final blow that neutralizes the enemy for the time being also loses his life at the same time. But I want you to catch this. The purpose of God still stands. Samson was called to begin to save the children of Israel from the rule of the Philistines, and he accomplishes the task. Now, all of their nobles and their leaders have been wiped out. God still has the victory. No matter how tragic it is, God's sovereignty still overcomes human personality. Because detours don't determine destiny. And listen, every one of us are going to face the detours of distractions, discouragement, distorted thinking. Sometimes it's going to feel like all hope is destroyed, but can I encourage you with this? The story is not over. Not even Stamson's story is over. See, detours can be deadly, but they can't kill your destiny. Come on, throw some fire emojis in the chats for that one. Detours don't determine your destiny. God does. The only question is, are you going to experience the blessing or the burden of God's purpose in your life? Listen to this. When you're feeling like all hope is lost and your dreams are dashed, remember this one fact. God can turn beauty from ashes. There's a promise God gives to his people in 2 Chronicles 7:14. It says this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God says this, you may have been detoured, but your destiny 
doesn't have to be destroyed. Do these three things, four things. Humble yourself, call out to God, repent and turn from your sin. This is the promise that he gives to you and me. He will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sins. Your latter will be greater than your former. Your future will be greater than your past. So how does this work out in Samson's life? In the New Testament, centuries after Samson's existence, the writer of the book of Hebrews is given some God-breathed revelation that he says this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this truth in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors, set them above the crowd. The writer goes on and lists all the faithful people in history that were commended by God. When we get to verse 32, it says this, how much more do I need to say? It would take me too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, check this out, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Check this out, Samson is considered one of the greatest examples of faith. He's put in the same category as the elite King David and the prophets of God. No matter how jacked up his narrative was, the untold story of his 20-year reign is that amidst the multiplicity of detours, the faith of Samson reached the courts of heaven and God said, well done. This is not a pass for us to excuse the sin and dysfunction in our lives, but a promise that the detours, though dangerous and detrimental, will never deter God's destiny for our lives. We are only to humble ourselves, call out to God, repent and turn of our sin. And in the name of Jesus, we will be forgiven, healed, restored and receive the commendation of well done, good and faithful servant. Let me tell you, that's the good news. In Jesus, our detours do not destroy us. In Jesus, our detours, while they may derail us, they never can fully deter God's plan for our lives. All we have to do is humble ourselves, seek God's face, pray and turn for our wicked ways, from our wicked ways, and God will forgive and God will restore and God will redeem. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.